Today, we're going to engage some God phrases that are used in common conversation that aren't really from the Bible and the danger of sometimes assuming they're real truth. Hi, I'm Pastor Kendall. And I'm Pastor Mo, and we are Unpacking Truths. Where we unpack God's Word and God's truth for life today. Everyone is seeking, and we are here to help you find hope and power in God's Word. Well, Mo, we've got another great phrase to unpack here today. All right, let's do it. God helps those who help themselves. Oh, boy. Yep. And as you know and I know, (laughs) this one isn't in the Bible. I did a little research, and uh, it actually, the first time that I found that it was named was by an English political theorist named Algernon Sidney, but it was made famous by Benjamin Franklin in his Poor Richard's Almanac. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because I remember um, Aesop's fables, and um, it was Hercules and the Wagoner, and and I bet he even got that from this because so this guy has a wagon, he gets it stuck in the mud, and then he prays out to Hercules saying, I need your help. And he says, well, lean into the wagon and push it with your, you know, your shoulder. And so the point being that, you know, if you call out to the gods, they'll help you if you help yourself. And so that's uh, okay. kind of so, where it came from as well. I know. So, so it, I wonder, I mean, roots even deeper back than that. I'm interested because yeah, he's from 620 BC. So yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. that goes back there a little, a little, a little further, a little, a little further, further back than, Benjamin than Ben, Franklin, than our good, but good buddy, Ben, a little further. Yeah. So, you know, I've thought about this one, and it struck me that as I reflected on this phrase, that this can sometimes be a helpful statement for us to say to ourselves. Yeah. Um, And my thought with that is sometimes I've seen myself and others just kind of like sitting there waiting around for God to act in a situation, Um, Mm -hmm. almost uh, like the the classic joke of the person on the roof of their house and saying, God, help me, and a boat comes by, and they say, no, God's going to help me, and that sometimes we need to take some action ourselves. So this can be one that I think we can say to ourselves that can be helpful. Um, And the truth is there's some biblical examples that struck me with that. Yeah, Sometimes God prompts us to take actions. Um, and I do like the old, uh, again, not biblical, but the the Nike motto, just do it. Just I do think it. sometimes... That's not in scripture? That, no, that one isn't Aww, in scripture either. Right. But I was struck that when Elijah, after he had had his magnificent battle with the prophets of Baal, and he yeah. had trusted God and God delivered, and he was like flying high. And then Jezebel said, I'm going to knock you off, I'm taking you out. Yeah, and he got so depressed, and he just was ready to collapse and die. And God said, nope, get up and go do this. And he had to do some things, and then go up and go to this next place, that there were things that he had to do to get himself in a position for God to then speak to him. So there are times where I think we can say to ourselves, okay, Kendall, get after it. You know, Don't just sit there and throw your hands up helplessly. So to ourselves, God helps those who help themselves, can sometimes be a motivating one for ourselves. Right. Does that make sense or not? No, it definitely does. And it actually, I keep going back to the book of James, mm. where it's like, you know, faith without works is dead. And that whole idea of we can have faith and believe all day, but if we're not actually trying to live this out. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> so like salvation is free. 
Jesus already did the hard work on the cross. Thank you for that. That's great. And so, you know, just in believing that we receive this good news, you know, we receive the strength we need to keep through and persevere and all that, but sanctification, the process of looking like Christ, right, Mm -hmm. in the world— We have to do something. Like, mm-hmm. how do you—that just doesn't magically come. It's like a process of, you know, maturing on steroids, I would think. Yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, you don't just uh, get healthier by thinking about it, Jim. You got to go. You got to right. take oh, some exercise. Sorry about that's that. That's my problem. Yeah. That's, the, uh, that's, why, that's the part I'm missing. <laughs> I have to go? Yeah. So, so I think there are ways that— God does work and invites us into the work of the transformation that he wants to do in our lives. That I, I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer one time said that, that we can't do that sanctification work, but we can put ourselves in the places where God can do the work. So we can't just sit at home on our couch and say, God, sanctify me. When God said, well, put yourself in a Bible study, put yourself with the scriptures open, put yourself in worship so that you can be in a place for God's word to impact you. So sometimes we do have a role in some of the work that God wants to do in our lives. Right. And I mean, and I think the the best thing we could do, right, like how the best way to evangelize is by living out our faith. And you can't, if you're not doing the things God has called us to do, which are sometimes, you know, put, putting ourselves out there. They're risky. We can jeopardize our job if we, you know, um, step up and say, hey, we think this is unjust or not right or different things. Um, it, it's, it just becomes this space where um, it, it becomes a beautiful way of uh, living out our faith when we, when we act. We have, we have a part in this, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the thing where I think this statement gets really dangerous yeah. is when we start applying it to other people. And that's what, what I was oh. thinking about is that when we start going, you know, God helps those who help themselves, and we're looking down our nose at someone else, what we're sort of saying is, I, I think people sometimes use this phrase to get themselves off the hook yeah. for where God is calling them to engage and to help. So I was just thinking, like, the Good right. Samaritan, yeah. you know, going along in the, the parable that Jesus told, sees the man, you know, on the side of the road, and he goes, well, he should have known better than to be on this road because it's kind of a dangerous one and just walk on by. You right. know, God helps those who help themselves. He should have been smarter. The Or ways when we look at people who are hurting or struggling and we're going like, well, they have to help themselves because I don't want to go codependent in their, right. in their life when maybe God is prompting us to respond. So I think sometimes that God helps those who help themselves is something, sometimes we've used it as a wall to keep our our hearts from engaging with others in the way that God calls us to, because we're sort of saying, well, it's yeah. their fault. Right, using it as an excuse. And I actually, I knew some people growing up that would say, like, I don't want to give any money to the homeless person because, you know, that idea, God helps those who help, help themselves. If they got up and got a job, then then they'd be fine. Everything would be better without realizing that there are so many layers, right, you bet. <laughs> to how someone ends up there. And so I, I do think for ourselves, it can sometimes be a motivator. Yeah. But to others is where I think it gets unhealthy. Although like true confession, I've often used that used that fake Bible verse as yeah. like a shield against family and friends that are like big time takers. And I'm like, <laughs> God helps those who help themselves, right? Like, because they want me to do things that are like they can do themselves and should be doing themselves. So it's kind of like this, you know, it's a double-edged sword. I'm like, hey, can I use this fake Bible verse now for my own benefit? Or? <laughs> well, well, 
and as a pastor, you probably say it and they think it is. <laughs> oh in the Bible. man, we're unpacking the truths now. Now the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, they're not going to be able to take it that way. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, there is some danger of codependency when right. when we're over-functioning in someone else's life. But I also think, I mean, and that's the discernment, that's the prayer, that's the wisdom, that's the seeking godly counsel to go like, am I just protecting myself because I don't want to have to engage this? Or is it because God isn't calling me to engage it? And that's where we have to just keep going back to that listening for the still small voice where God right. does speak inside of us and does reveal in these un- in each unique circumstance, God, what are you saying to me here? Yeah. And not using some blanket statement to protect ourselves from engaging, but also not to um, over-function, it, that we got to keep listening. Yeah, I mean, and if we look to Scripture, if we look to every book in the Bible, there's never like, and and God said, just lay there like Sleeping Beauty, and and we'll send a prince to come kiss you and wake you up, and everything will magically work out. It it is. It's we have to be willing to listen and then act and do what God's called us to do. Absolutely, I agree. All right, so we are going to dive into one that I know we have all heard, especially as children. Cleanliness is next to... Godliness. Yes, absolutely. And so I hated this as a kid because (laughs) I I wasn't dirty, but I was incredibly messy. Kind of like the Tasmanian devil, like when I get ready and I can't Mm -hmm. say that I've grown out of this, like dresses flying all over, shoes flying all over, jewelry left all over the place. (laughs) I need someone to like pick up after me. So the idea that like, oh, like I'm not close to God unless I'm a little more organized or put together. And that's so not my natural mode of functioning. So, and I know this came out of, you know, a lot of the ritual practices we read about in Leviticus and Exodus Mm. and how there were all these ceremonial things about cleanliness and washing of hands. Um, But as you know, you know, Jesus even speaks into this in Matthew 15, 16 to 20. He goes on to say, we need the religious um, officials need to worry more about the sin in their hearts rather than the dirts on their hands. And I'm mm. paraphrasing, right? Yeah. And so, I don't know. So I, I just, I really don't like this one. <laughs> See, Mo, I, I, and I, I don't know if I'm quoting it quite right, but the, um, I think there's a sign on your desk <laughs> that I, is probably more fitting for my desk. <laughs> like, you know, uh, a cluttered desk is the sign of a brilliant mind, or, or a something genius. like that. Yeah, yeah messiness like is that. the sign. A messy desk is the sign of a genius. Yeah, it, I mean, I think you're absolutely right that that some of this comes out of just people who are um, high J on the Myers Briggs, yeah. who like everything in order, and use that as parents to say cleanliness is next to godliness. So part of it's that. Part of it though is Leviticus. It's probably some yeah. hygiene things, and there are some some guidance on those things. But to your point. There is, there can be a danger of saying the outside is clean while the inside is a mess. And you pointed to the, there's another one in uh, Matthew 23. Um, you blind Pharisees first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and yeah. then the outside will become clean too. And then that whole line in verse 27 you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Right. Uh, the That whole idea that cleanliness is next to godliness, it can be like, well, get the outside good, and then it's all fine. And Jesus is saying, in, in our lives at yeah. least, 
we got to start on the inside. Uh, there may still be some messiness on the outside. So, but I mean, in the practical sense, I mean, cleanliness is helpful. Right. Well, I definitely have the messiness. We just both need someone to help take us. The messiness down, both in (laughs) life and maybe in my bedroom, right? (laughs) Well, it was really interesting as I was researching about this. um, I saw that uh, in the Victorian era, it kind of was revived, this idea that, yes, that cleanliness is next to godliness by Sir Francis Bacon and John Wesley. Mm. They kind of brought it back as a popular phrase. And that's probably where it, it continued this idea that, oh, that must be in scripture. That's, yeah. you know. Well, and, and, and my guess is some of them were doing it for maybe good hygiene reasons. I mean, oh, it right. was probably in that era when we were discovering the, the reality of germs and and some of those elements. And so there, especially ba- uh, Francis Bacon, who was a scientist, that may have come from some of there. John Wesley is a pastor. I don't know where he was, that came from. He piggybacked, from, maybe. He's like, yeah, you know maybe. what? Yeah. Yeah. And he's worked. like, yeah. I, I know it worked for it worked for my mom a lot, you know. She good. yeah. So <laughs> I had a lot of guilt. It was good. No perfect. But I, yeah. I like that Nothing you hit, like the old guilt motivation. Oh, yes, you know. I, I really think it's important that you hit on the reality that this idea of not feeling clean inside, right? Or mm. feeling a bit messy, like things mm. aren't you're you're not uh living the life you should be, right? Or maybe you're a little convicted about some decisions made. And we are, I think, within a culture where we so often uh connect the things we do with who we are. Mm. And so mm. Um, the idea of not maybe living a clean life in the way that we feel we should or the way that was imposed on us or taught to us, whether it's right or not. Um, I think this idea could also bring about a lot of shame maybe. Hmm. Um, Hmm. Like I can't be close to God because I can't be clean because I'm, because I keep having these thoughts I shouldn't be having. Right. Mm. Or Mm. I, I, you know, keep falling into this trap of gossiping or whatever it is. Like, so then innately, like I'm not good. Well, and and that's where, you know, I, I love the, um, Martin Luther's phrase, you know, we are both saint and sinner at the same time, that we can be fully forgiven. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and in that sense, saints. So, fully graced by Christ so that we're free and that's our identity. But that doesn't mean there won't still be some brokenness, some messiness in our lives that, you know, God's helped us through uh, sanctifying processes, of small groups and scripture reading and prayer to grow in this area and this area and this area. But we all know we're still all works in process and the, and this area still needs work uh, in my life. It's always have, have you ever noticed how fun it is, though, to always figure out where everyone else's oh, yeah. life that's needs why, more work? That's why I have a degree in psychology. I was diagnosing everyone else. There you go. There you yeah. go. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I mean it's interesting because you just took that cleanliness is next to godliness and took it not from just sort of the tangible sort of external, but also right. that cleanliness inside and feeling. And, you know, and I think this may be a theme we're going to come back to uh in different ways and at different times is that danger of trusting our feelings about ourselves. Mm-hmm. That the, the feelings like, oh, I don't feel like God could love me. I don't feel yeah. like I'm clean enough. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I've done enough. Rather than claiming the truths of who Jesus says we are. And right. and, and when we're when we're more focused on our feelings about how I feel about myself, rather than what what Christ says about us, we can get 
Well, yeah, and this this idea oh. cleanliness is is next to godliness so reinforces the way things look on the outside mm. are most important. Yeah. Like the way things look on the outside of our homes, the outside of, you know, of ourselves, right? When what is so important and Paul reiterates it in Romans 2:17 to 20, 29, I won't read the whole thing, but he goes on and and he's he's really chastising these religious leaders about all the things they do as as the, these upright Jewish men and yet he says there's so much sin in your heart. He goes on to say um a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God, mm, mm. and a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not praise from people. Yeah. And that comes out of that verse in Romans, and it's so true. It's it's like the complete opposite of what we need to be concerned with, which is our hearts, and you know, not even not what we're doing. Like when we're serving, that's a beautiful thing. But if we have, we have ugliness in our hearts while we're doing it, like I don't want to be here. Oh, I hate this. Mm. And you know, it's if you do a good deed for someone, but you're thinking negative things the whole time. I mean, is it really? A good, I don't want that bad juju near me. I, I don't need your help. Go. Like you know. I don't know. It, I, I think you're so right. And there is such a part of our culture that what is on the outside um, seems like it's the most important. Um, yeah. That, you know, you talk about homes, the cars, whatever. The, uh, you know, I, I've said in the, the context in which we serve, the, um, that in middle, upper middle class community, one of the dangers is, is that there's enough funds to cover up the messiness. Yes, that we can make yes. things look good on the outside when there's just as much brokenness in our community as there is in any community. We just got a few more dollars to be able to hide it with. And 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 so for me, it's the reality of the work that God wants to do in the in our hearts, in the center of our lives, in transforming us from the inside out. I love that song, From the Inside Out, yeah. because it is, that's the work that Jesus kept saying. He goes, so often the, the Pharisees, who are, who are good, good Jewish people, trying to follow the law in all the right way, but Jesus kept clashing with them because they were so focused on the outside yes. cleanliness and the look of it, rather than the kingdom of God transformation that he was wanting to see happen inside of them. Yes, or even the woman who was at Jesus's feet and crying, right? Like oh. using her tears to clean his feet and then her hair, which is her yeah. glory. Like yeah. your hair is your glory as a woman. So she's using the most precious parts of herself, right? To clean his feet, which is yeah. completely Ooh. dirty. Yeah. And just, you know, and, and yet he, Jesus is of that much worth. And mm. And it's just so beautiful, but but it was something that was considered, yeah, oh, like, ugh, you know, yeah. why would you do that? And, and why would you allow a woman to touch you? And why would you take your glory and wipe feet with them? And so it's just like, um, yeah, it's it's complete opposite. It's it's the biblical truth, right? It's yeah. like it's that wisdom that from you know a, from the outside, it doesn't seem like it should be that way, and it's the complete opposite. You know? Yeah, I mean, and it, that, that story is a, just a great example because. That woman had been transformed by Jesus' grace, by his ex yeah. by his acceptance that had changed her insight, and she didn't care no. how she was coming off to anyone. Right. I mean, yes. barging in on all those other guys there in that culture, she was just responding out of her heart, yeah. and all the guys around were just judging her, just sitting around. Right? Like, eh, you know, oh, what is she yeah. doing? Yeah, I, if you knew the who plight she was, of a yeah, woman. Yeah, well, I, I, we'll go in there antiquity. on another in episode. Is that a different today. episode? Fine, so, fine. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that cleanliness is next to godliness. 
I love how you've taken it not just into the hygiene side, but into the rest of it, because I think those other dynamics well, are so real. Yeah, we don't realize. The danger of it. Yes, there's so many layers, right? And how everyone is interpreting them are different, applying them to themselves. It, and so it's so important that we continue to unpack these truths so people can see that God did not say that, right? Or yes. intend for us to understand it in some of these ways. Cool. Next time on Unpacking Truths. Oh, yeah. Like, I would hear stories about how, like, my mom ate liver and they ate all this gross, weird stuff that was, like, leftover. And, I mean, it's years and years later. But I'm watching my grandma pick up McDonald's for the dogs. And so I think that people tend to really um, go overboard on their animals because animals are safe to love. Right? They're safe. Mm. You know, um, they're, they really kind of look like the presence of God in some ways where, you know, you can be a jerk. I'm not going to play with you. You can ignore them. And, and they're still like ready and eager to love you. Like, I'm here. I'm still here. Unless you have a cat. Cats are a whole different ballgame. Yeah. I don't know what a cat, but God well, was And dachshunds are kind of like cats. But, but our oh, golden retriever, you bet. He will love you no matter what. Thanks for tuning in. If anything we said brought up any questions or ideas, let's keep the conversation going in the comments below or email us at unpackingtruths at lochurch.com. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe so we can continue helping people unpack God's truth for their lives.